Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kurt Damon. And welcome back to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers with your host, Ben Siders, that's me, and the other guy is Kirk Damon. It has been a hot minute since we've given you any content, folks, and we are sorry about that. Uh, we've had a lot of complicating factors over the last um, six to eight weeks that have just made it difficult, one of which is uh, about three weeks ago, I was tested positive for COVID-19, after which my wife and two of my kids were. So we had a bout of COVID running through the house and uh, kind of took the wind out of my sails there for a couple of weeks. But um, as is hopefully evident from uh, my cheery tone today, I am recovered and doing better and and feeling all right. I had what they would consider a mild case, was never under any real risk of having to be hospitalized or anything like that, but it was miserable. So if you can avoid it, don't get it. In the meantime, uh, Kirk has recorded some content. I've been meaning to record some. Uh, I just haven't been able to get to it, but we want to get something out for you. So what I'm going to do is give you Kirk's, uh, something he recorded a, a long time ago that I've been meaning to match up with. So he did his, he watched the Picard series and uh, provided his thoughts, and I was then going to independently watch it, record my thoughts, put them together, and compare, but I just have not gotten to it yet, and it's been a while. So I'm going to go ahead and give you Kirk's. I'm not actually going to listen to it, so once I cut off my recording here, I'm going to uh, drop in Kirk's content, uh, and then I'm going to wrap it up with a little outro, and then we're going to be done. But I'm not going to listen to it because I don't want to be influenced by by Kirk's opinions. Beyond that, we have we have a lot to talk about, actually. There is a lot going on in IP world. Um, today, as I'm recording this, is November November 15th. We have a presidential transition uh, coming up, which often, but not always, means a transition of leadership at the patent office. So uh, that, that's something that we like to probably cover. And then there's a lot going on with uh, copyright, uh, video games. There's there's just a ton. And we, Kirk and I both want to get on and talk about some of those things. So we are trying to come up with a plan for what to do because the pandemic, at least where we are, is is not going away. It's getting worse, not better. And the odds of us being able to get together are, are slim. So we're going to try to get some time on the books for both of us to get together, uh, come up with an outline, and get you uh, some some more tr- conventional episodes like you're used to. Um, we're probably going to not be able to go on a weekly basis like we wanted to uh, at the outset of the year. That's just not realistic at this point. Uh, but we would like to try to get back on some kind of schedule, maybe every two weeks or something like that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll be able to pull that off and, and get something to you a little more regularly, um, maybe not until after the holidays. So our fourth our 2020 plans were, were dashed pretty early on. So at any rate, uh, here are Kirk's thoughts on the Picard TV series, and hopefully I will be able to follow up with my own thoughts separately at some point in the future, along with getting back to some more uh, law episodes. We have had a number of requests uh, for getting back to that kind of content, so I know a lot of you out there uh, tune in for that and enjoy it. Uh, so without further ado, here's Kirk. Okay, I am back for another Edamame episode uh, doing this one, we've still got a few in the hopper to uh, get out, so this will probably be uh, down the road, but one never knows. We are changing release order, as usual. I'm outside uh, doing this one. So, again, you may get some uh, nature noise. We're starting to get some cicadas out here, so uh, you never know quite what you're going to hear, and definitely the construction has gotten louder, so who knows what we'll hear. But I wanted to record this one because of what I have just gotten to watch. Um, so we actually, uh, as part of sort of, you know, I guess our, our quarantine TV watching, we've been watching all sorts of crazy things, but we decided to get CBS all access and I have watched the entire first season of Star Trek Picard. 
So I'm going to talk about Star Trek Picard. This is obviously going to have a lot of spoilers in it. So if you have not uh, watched uh, Star Trek Picard and don't want the spoilers, uh, stop now. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and do this because I wanted to talk about it. And uh, for those of you who may not have seen the show, I will warn you, this is a show that spoilers can spoil. Um, I'm not a person that really minds uh, getting spoilers and sort of finding out about, uh, you know, sort of what happens in shows ahead of time. But this is one that I think just the nature of the show, you really really do kind of want to not know what's going on. So anyway, uh, hopefully that's enough disclaimers. I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about this. So like I said, we decided to get CBS All Access. A lot of it was because my wife wanted to see Picard. Um, we have seen season one, so I made it all the way through season one, which is all that they've released. We were going to watch it with the ch- with the kids. Uh, we watched episode one with the kids, and they discovered they had absolutely no idea what was going on. Um, and my kids have not seen a lot of Star Trek. They've seen occasional episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, but they really didn't understand it. And Picard is clearly a show designed for fans of the series. There's a lot that you need to sort of, you know, be able to just quickly process. They do a pretty good job of explaining what's going on, but a lot of the... Um, pieces of it, a lot of what's going on, you kind of just have to know. Uh, one of the things is, uh, and Picard definitely does it, there's a lot of uh, fan service cameos. At the same time, they're valuable. They're important um, as to, you know, what you you sort of need to uh, to get the, the plot to continue. What I also thought was interesting, having watched Dr. Picard, is we happened to watch uh, the episode one of The Best of Both Worlds, part one of The Best of Both Worlds, um, in a when we were uh, doing sort of our hard quarantine, it just happened to be on TV and we left it on. Um, so what was interesting about that is the fact that that obviously flashes forward into the future and some things that they kept. So I, I really appreciate the fact that Picard owed vineyard. Uh, I think that was kind of neat. Um, although his aged self looks a lot different uh, than he does in conjunction with his uh, you know artificially aged self in the next generation. Um, but a few of my comments sort of a Picard. The first thing about it is, I really kind of loved the plot line. I thought the concept of it was really cool. The idea of basically exploring um, humanity's interaction with artificial intelligence um, and, you know, with synthetics around the question of data um, and sort of what does it mean? What did data mean? Um, you know, what was data as a, as a construct, as a human, for sort of lack of a better way of putting it? Uh, and, you know, what did he mean for the show? And I thought they did a really good job with that. Um, I think they did a great job of sort of having Data be a good character. I mean, I think also it doesn't hurt that um, Patrick Stewart is an incredible actor, as is Brent Spiner, uh, or Spence Spinner. Um, and it really kind of shows. Uh, and a couple of times is they do some really good jobs, I think, in the way the, uh, the show presents them. A few of my basic takes about it. Again, I really liked the plot. I really liked exploring the Borg. Um, I liked exploring the concept of what does it mean to be XB, um, you know, the ex-Borgs. Um, you know, to sort of get their, their life back and what does that mean? And the fact that, you know, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's a very difficult thing for them to reckon with. I uh, also, it was very intriguing the way it reintroduced, um, the Romulans as a real sort of negative, um, 
enemy in conjunction with it. Um, you know, it's Star Trek's been, um, for lack of a better term, assimilating uh, its enemies for a long time. Starfleet, you know, obviously now has Klingons in it, did in the next generation. Uh, we kind of had the Romulans start to get, you know, sort of assimilated into the Federation. Uh, I think it worked really well to sort of bring back the idea that maybe this was, you know, really a subterfuge. Um, the great thing about the Romulans is the fact that, you know, they're, they're a mystery inside Enigma uh, wrapped inside a spy network, um, you know, cloaked by assassins. And they did a really good job of making the Romulans that way, um, that this was a, you know, a very much a subterfuge, a long game play, um, very long game play uh, that they were now playing out. My favorite parts of it, definitely, and I just have to admit, I really enjoyed the cameos of Seven of Nine. <laughs> I thought it was great that they did it. Um, and again, I, I really liked the way they did the Borg and the way they introduced the Borg. So one of the things I still remember, um, I was kind of about, is one of my sort of favorite things in conjunction with Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, I think like many Star Trek The Next Generation fans, so I watched Star Trek The Next Generation uh, primarily in college and into law school. Um, and I really enjoyed Star Trek The Next Generation. We used to have viewing parties for it when I was in college, you know, go watch it. I also really loved uh, Babylon 5, which was out at the same time. I actually liked Babylon 5 better. But Next Generation, in some sense, is more real Star Trek than Star Trek. And I think that's true of a lot of Star Trek fans. The original um, cast was great, but the show's so dated. Um, there is The Next Generation, I think, is a little more timeless. It definitely holds on a little bit better. But I think like many Star Trek fans, I absolutely love the Borg. Um, they were one of the best enemies. And I always joke, comment about it as one of the most amazing things I still remember from sort of Star Trek um, lore was seeing for the first time, um, and it probably was in a theater, the trailer for First Contact. And um, the, you know, it, it shows the trailer, and I still remember part of the trailer. Um, you know, they're showing the various, you know, things of the Borg, various things happening in conjunction with the Borg, and then it just popped up, you know, you know the words resistance, then it showed some more. Uh, clips, and then you know, is, and then some more um, clips, and then futile. Um, and I think that was the thing that like the, the Borg were just such a great enemy. They, the, as I was kind of about, the reason they were so good is because they weren't malicious in any way. They were just completely alien, and they were alien in a way that we found very offensive. Um, you know, the idea of this sort of lack of individuality, this lack of control, and I just, I, I loved the way that they um, portrayed them originally. I actually have um, a first contact, Star Trek first contact shirt that, that has the resistance is futile on the back of it. Um, because I just, I always loved that. And again, I just, I remember seeing that trailer and just how excited I was when I first saw that trailer of just, you know, this is going to be so cool. Um, I think the movie was a bit of a disappointment, actually. It was a neat concept. It, it's classic Star Trek. Let's mess with the time, space, time continuum. But, um, uh, I did really enjoy it. So I really appreciated Picard's investigation into, you know, what are the Borg, um, I don't think we're, we've gotten there yet. I think we're, we're headed towards a, an origin story of the Borg. I think we're going to get much more of, um, you know, who they are, where they are. We're going to get a, a good history on sort of, you know, um, humankinds and I think, you know, Romulan kinds as well. Uh, interaction with um, synthetics and exactly what that means uh, and stuff along those lines. Um, so I would definitely recommend anybody watch Picard, um, again, that has it. You have to kind of be into the Borg. It's one of those things, again, there are scenes in it that sent shivers down my spine, um, to use again as spoilers. Um, one of those scenes that I just loved is when Seven of Nine takes command of the cube and immediately you get the, you know, we are Borg, uh, from the, the multifaceted, uh, voice, um, of her now commanding, um, all of the Borg. 
and you know just sort of the the chilling uh, of what that is and how scary that is um, to sort of see this thing coming back to life so uh, anyway that's um that's a lot of what I had with it. My one complaint with the with the uh, Star Trek Picard, I really felt like it ended suddenly, um, and I had the same comment with my wife. It sounded like it's, they just did a great job of sort of you know introducing, setting up where this was going to go, what these potential issues with it were, you know the various player characters, what we're going to have, um, you know, and then sort of they arrive at you know the the AI planet. Um, you know, whatever you want to call Haven, uh, you know, whatever, again, sort of you want to call it with it. And then sort of everything spiraled out of control very, very fast and then sort of got back into control very, very fast. And, and it seemed almost like plot devices, like they needed to advance it as, oh, you know, we've got this plot device that we can suddenly bring in advanced AI from beyond. We just have to build a quick antenna uh, so that we can do it. And then, you know, hey, the Romulans are going to take over the world. Oh, don't worry. The Federation's actually heard the distress call. And as opposed to, you know, every other time that, that they've sort of faked this and not been sure what to think of it. Uh, we've got this powerful thing um, featuring, you know, a, a second cameo uh, by, by uh, Will Riker. Um, and again, so it's, it's one of those where my real complaint about it is I really thought the season ended way too suddenly. Um, I think they could have gone readily into the idea of ending the season almost with them starting the quest, um, you know, for looking for her home world, looking for the AI planet, uh, and the idea that they sort of needed to track this down. Um, and it going for, for literally, you know, an entire second season of them trying to get there. Um, I, I just really felt like they could explore it much more. I kind of wonder if it was because they felt like they needed to kind of wrap up some of the plot points, uh, to end season one, if there may have been something in conjunction with the filming, um, in conjunction with the production schedule that said, Hey, they really needed to end season one and make sure that they give it some closure, um, where they hadn't necessarily intended to do that. I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about sort of the production of it, but, um, I did really, uh, enjoy it. The other thing I thought was really good about it, and I think it's interesting, and maybe that's the, the purpose of this episode, is the relationship with Star Trek and, all science fictions with synthetic characters um, and the idea of we have artificial intelligence. And obviously this is something which is becoming more and more prevalent in real world today. Um, the idea that we have computers that are making decisions, computers that can do things. But what I think is interesting about it is science fiction always tends to treat um, artificial intelligence against synthetics. I like the term synthetic as to what they use it. And it's used in a number of science fiction series the same way, um, which is they're, they're both sort of simultaneously objects of awe um, and objects of fear. And I, I assume that just sort of echoes, and I think it does echo humanity's take of them. But what I always think is about them is how often they are, um, I guess the sort of best way to put it is not aware of what they are. And I find that to be a really uh, interesting thing. And the examples of like where I take it from is um, Blade Runner. Obviously, that's the sort of core of Blade Runner um, that, you know, does a synthetic even know it's a synthetic? Um, and, you know, that, that being the sort of central question of it. But I think even when you get into um, Alien and Aliens, where, you know, the synthetics um, are very, very aware of what they are, um, at the same time, they, they, they feel like they sort of have a, a humanity and they're not necessarily synthetic. Uh, it's one of those that I think is well played, actually, in the Alien franchise where, you know, Alien has it. Um, you have the betrayal um, that happens and, you know, it kind of you know, influences uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, uh, Ripley. 
And in, in Aliens, you know, when Ripley finds out, she, you know, Bishop is synthetic, it kind of freaks her out. And I love the interaction with, you know, she had a bad reaction, uh, bad interaction with the last synthetic uh, she worked with. And Bishop's response is, oh, that's, th- they had poor programming. I'm much better. Um, and so, you know, it's, I kind of like that, uh, um, that sort of play of the idea that, like, he's very, very aware of what he is, yet at the same time, he's sort of not aware um, of what he is. And I think that this is the first time Star Trek has really played with that. And I really like the fact that they were playing around with the idea of sort of the Borg versus the synthetics and sort of what are the Borg? What does it mean to be Borg? Um, and things like that. The other one with it, and it's, I remember this, I remember somebody telling me this years ago and I said it was true. When they made Jean-Luc Picard into Lacutus, um, and he was a Borg for a while, the, the fact that they, a lot of fans always wanted him to be tormented by it more. And I always thought that was interesting. One of the people always said, you know, they, they kind of wished he had a scar. Um, you know, on his face from uh, from it happening, uh, sort of like you know, Seven of Nine obviously does, you know, with the sort of you know connection points and stuff like that, and they play out with the XBs. Uh, now he obviously wasn't Borg long enough, and you know they, they played around with the thing with the, he still has some of the um, the microbes, the nanotechnology, sort of stuff like that. It's not completely out of his system, but the idea that he was just sort of you know actively tormented by it and it's something he couldn't avoid he he sort of had to see and it's something that i think they did well in picard with the fact that you know hey this is killing him um and you know it it, again i think it's well played um in the idea of doing that again i think they end that plot's point way too suddenly um as to where they're going with it and you know what it means so it's it's one of those where i guess in in take and i kind of rambled here a little bit about it i really thought picard was an incredibly valuable addition to the star trek series um if nothing else, watch it because, you know, Patrick Stewart's an amazing actor. If you haven't seen him, um, my wife has been fortunate enough to see him in a one man stage show, um, which she still considers to be one of the best stage shows she's ever seen. Um, but it's one of those things where, you know, he, he is just an amazing actor and he does, it's, it's very clear. Like he had a lot of input, I think, into what this show was and what he wanted his character to be. And, it's just a very, very well done, very entertaining show. A few things to keep in mind. It's much more violent than I think we're used to Star Trek being. Uh, maybe not the really recent Star Trek, uh, but definitely for next generation type Star Trek, it is much more violent um, than we're used to. And it, it's violent in, in some pretty graphic ways a couple of times. Um, you know, we have some people dying by swords and blades um, as opposed to, you know, just phasing out when they get, you know, zapped with a phaser. Um the other thing about it is it's very dark, um, at least when it starts off. It is not a happy story. Um, it is a really ugly story when it starts. Um, and I'm not sure it gets much happier during the course of it. Now, I'd say it really has a happy ending, um, but, you know, it's a very dark story. So, again, it's, I w- it's one I would be careful watching with your kids right off the bat. Uh, we kind of had the surprise with that. And, again, we watched uh, the first episode. I think we watched the first episode, maybe even the first uh, episode in a bit, um, and decided that we were just going to finish it uh, on our own and the kids were not going to finish it. So, anyway, um, that was sort of my take of it. I really think it was a, a very interesting show. Again, sort of one of my more geeky episodes. I'm not really t- tying it into law, but I wanted to talk about it just because I had had a chance to see it. I know some people had, had seen it. And it was, it was also just cool to see Star Trek again. It's been a long time since I've really seen Star Trek. I watched, um, uh, I can't remember which movie, the most recent of the sort of uh, next generation era movies, um, you know, a few months ago and, and enjoyed that. But it was one of those things where, you know, this was, I felt was really cool. Uh, they also ended up, uh, it played right into this beginning of Discovery. And I have to admit, Discovery really intrigues me. I'm just not sure I can uh, stand watching any more TV. Um, so we'll see whether or not we uh, keep CBS All Access and whether or not we keep Discovery. But we'll see where that goes. So anyway, uh, this was just a quick Eddie Mommy episode. I doubt Ben's going to have any follow up on this because I don't think he's seen the show. 
and he probably doesn't even want to listen to this. Um, so anyway, I could, you know, make fun of him now, but I'm not going to. So anyway, um, hope you guys are all staying safe. Um, everything's still going good and hope you enjoyed the episode. All right, so there you go, folks. Sorry again for um, the, the the lack of content and consistently lately we were just, you know, it's 2020 and it's a different kind of world right now. So we're all doing the best we can and I hope all of you are healthy and safe getting through this, um, taking care of yourselves and uh, just hanging in there. So uh, hopefully, like I said, we'll have content coming to you a little more regularly and maybe we'll get Kirk and I back on the, on the horn again together soon. So that's all for today. We'll see you next time. Lauren, play us out. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri. 